Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today, or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi. I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd. Welcome to the new Jesus. Okay, here's where we're starting this week, okay? Um, and we're, we've been talking about going on your journey that everybody, at least one time in their life, needs to go on a journey of discovery, of, of adventure, of seeking the truth, of trying to find that thing in life that uh, is my meaning and purpose, um, etc. Okay, so that's that's kind of where we've been, and now today we're gonna take the next step. All right, uh, if you're not familiar with all of these, we've been talking about them for a long time now, and they've been on our backdrop for a long time. These are sort of uh, God made the, the earth and the universe and even us to run on energy as kind of our fundamental least common denominator um, physical thing. All right? And energy, which is what equals mc squared, means everything boils down to energy. And uh, that truth, 20, 30 years ago, was kind of laughed at by a lot of society. Mainstream, uh, mainstream medicine, mainstream psychology. Uh, the founder of energy psychology worldwide, Dr. Roger Callahan, was a clinical psychologist in um, Los Angeles, in Beverly Hills, and was the pioneer of uh, energy psychology worldwide, all right? Well, I studied under him one-on-one -on -one for a year and a half, and he was so excited when the APA, the American Psychological Association, had invited him to come and present um, thought field therapy, which was his energy psychology that he had developed using primarily acupuncture points, okay? Well, he goes to the meeting, is so excited. He's been a member of the APA for decades, probably 
55 years old at the time. And it was an absolute setup, a turkey shoot. Uh, they mocked him, laughed at him, ridiculed him, totally dismissed all of his research, etc. Laughed at the notion that there would ever be anything viable called energy psychology. That's just a bu bunch of baloney, a bunch of placebo stuff. It doesn't really do anything. Well, you really don't hear that today as energy psychology is the fastest growing area in all of psychology. And the APA has approved it for continuing education credits. Uh, insiders in the APA say very soon it's going to be um, approved for uh, counseling and therapy, uh, for insurance reimbursement, which it's never been before. Well, why would it go from that? From 20, 30 years ago, them mocking and laughing at it, to today embracing it and saying, hey, this is where psychology is headed because it works faster. It works at a root level, not a symptom level. Okay, so um, it's interesting to me at least how we got here. Okay, today energy psychology and energy medicine both are the top fastest growing biggest growth areas in the fields of psychology and in the fields of health to the point that Stanford University, Duke, Harvard, MIT are offering classes at their universities on teaching people how to do energy medicine and psychology. This is the one from uh, Stanford that I printed out right off of their website where you sign up for classes and stuff. And um, and not only teach it in their universities now, but are using it in their hospitals and clinics to treat patients. Now, why in the world would schools like Harvard, MIT, Stanford, why would they do that? I mean, they don't risk their reputation on anything because it's not a risk. We have the proof and validation now that these things work, okay? Well, when I first started, um, and shifted my private practice from mainstream kind of counseling and therapy to energy medicine, energy psychology, uh, I was laughed at, mocked. Um, people would ask me what I do, and then when I started to tell them, they'd change the subject real quick. Uh, they'd look at me sort of like, uh, is this guy schizophrenic or something to actually believe this stuff? Okay. Um, but I believe it's just that we, we haven't had a complete understanding. Uh, my favorite example of this is a friend of mine named Jimmy Netterville, who is a uh, brain surgeon, literally, at Vanderbilt Hospital uh, here in Nashville. Uh, we grew up together. He's a little older than me. He was the age of my older brother, and I was the age of his younger brother. But we were still around each other a little bit, and I went on some trips with him, and man, just one of the finest men I have ever known in my life, okay? And I was sitting beside Jimmy one time at a fundraiser, and we were, you know, talking, catching up, and he said, so Alex, what do you do? And I told him, and then after I told him, I said, I bet that sounds kind of uh, crazy to you. Um, 
And he immediately jumped all over that and said, no, absolutely not. He said, it's very interesting to me. He said, here's the way I look at it. And he grabs a napkin and a pen and he, said, and he marks about a five or six inch line on a napkin. And he said, Alex, if that represented the total knowledge, facts, data that exists, that exists anywhere and everywhere in the universe and world about health, he said, my guess is right now today, we probably know about this much of it. And he marked off about two inches of that five or six inches line, leaving uh, three, three to four inches still stuff that we don't know yet, all right? And he said, in the past, how many times have we thought something was ridiculous and today it's mainstream and we do it all the time? Like CT scans and MRIs, they use energy to diagnose in the body. They don't take an internal picture. They use energy and the frequencies they pick up, then, they, then it makes a picture of the inside of your body and the medical doctor shows it to you and says, see that spot there on your liver? Uh, we need to check that out. Well, it didn't take a picture of the spot on your liver. It picked up energy frequencies right there that were not the frequency of a healthy liver cell. So it may be cancer, it may be a cyst, it may be, but anyway, we need to check that out. But the point is, it diagnosed with energy. Most people have heard of lithotripsy, and this one's been around for decades, where you get a kidney stone, and instead of doing surgery or, you know, uh, waiting forever to pass it while you're in horrible pain, uh, they can, they can, tune a frequency tuner to the frequency of the stone and then keep turning up the volume until the stone explodes and then you pass it easily. Okay? Um, so many things in our world, cell phones now, they work because of energy and with no wires anywhere and I mean it, it seemed, that kind of thing seemed impossible like uh, a sci-fi movie a few decades ago, today we know it's real. Uh, Philippe Semmelweis, a medical doctor from Switzerland, was literally laughed out of the medical um, world, ridiculed, mocked, you name it. Why? Because he had this radical theory that there's little bitty tiny things that we can't see that can get on our hands and stuff called germs so you should wash your hands between baby deliveries. That was his theory, okay? And everybody thought he was nuts. Well, his mortality rate for children that he birthed into the world was like twice as good as anyone else's in the world. And he was saying that was the reason I wash my hands between deliveries. And everybody thought he was nuts. Well, then we get better microscopes and we find out he was the one right. Everyone that was ridiculing him was the one that was nuts, okay? So I believe as we keep making these discoveries of our physical 
universe and earth and our bodies, we're going to see more and more and more how nature is in complete harmony with scripture. That is, nature, true science, there's lots of false science. What's the evidence of that? Hundreds of drugs recalled every single year. Okay? It never should have been approved in the first place. They're hurting people, killing people. Happens every single year. Okay? Um, so, that being said, uh, let's pick back up. Alright? But that's kind of where I'm coming from is that um, God made energy, made it very, very good, and when we use it for a good purpose, like healing, like lowering anxiety, which he doesn't want to want us to be in anxiety, he tells us that in scripture, okay? He doesn't want us to have all these negative thoughts all the time and no positive. He tells us that in Scripture. Take every thought captive. Think about these things, okay? Uh, but all of that comes from energy because the memories that are the bottom line of our health, and that was the research we've talked, at, talked about out of Southwestern University Medical School and Medical Center in Dallas, Texas, that the root of cancer, heart disease, virtually any illness or disease you can name is your memories. They've cut out every part of the brain and the memories are still there. Uh, um, organ transplants. An organ is transplanted, all of a sudden the person who gets the new organ has a different personality. They crave Kentucky Fried Chicken when they were a vegetarian before. They love to sing where they never liked to sing. Now they like classical music where before they only liked country music. I mean, it's unbelievable and these things are documented, okay? Well, they didn't get a brain transplant. They didn't get a memory transplant, okay? The memories are not flesh blood, bone, and tissue. At, like everything else, it boils down to energy. Okay? So, a memory that has a lie or untruth in it, like I'm never going to amount to anything because when I was 12 years old, my dad found out he had severe heart disease, was very distraught, snapped one day. I happened to be there when he snapped and he started hitting me and saying, Alex, you're never going to amount to anything. Alex, you're never going to amount to anything. Okay? Well, was that ever true? No, it was never true. And, and later, my dad told me it wasn't true. I'm so sorry. It had nothing to do with you. I was just so afraid about my heart and that my life as I knew it was over, etc., etc., etc. But in spite of it not being true, it dominated the next 15 years of my life in a very negative way. Go in and heal that memory. Meaning my dad hit me. Yeah, that's true. But it doesn't mean I'm never going to amount to anything. That, uh, that had to do with only my dad's junk. Not, had nothing to do with me. That was never, ever true, even though I lived it for the next 15 years. But, but, I, but today you don't have to live with that for 15 years. You can usually fix it in minutes, days, weeks, rather than 
months, years, or decades, or never, which is very often the case today in medicine and psychology, okay? So we are on a kind of journey together, I hope, to not only live our best possible life, physically, mentally, spiritually, in every way, but also to use what God built into nature to help us every bit as much as vitamin C or a tree to get the wood and build a house. I mean, all these things God built into nature said they were good and for us to use them and said that if we use them for a good purpose and give God thanks and credit, we sanctify it, which means we make it clean and pure and innocent, okay? Which is the only way I ever do the interventions that we're talking about to heal those memories, fear, anger, low self-worth, unforgiveness, and, and remember again that the problem in every one of those thoughts, every one of those emotions and feelings, in your unconscious mind, conscious mind, the problem is always an untruth. And the untruth creates fear. Fear is picked up by the hypothalamus in the brain, turns the stress fight or flight switch on, what I call the failure switch. Because from that, comes virtually all illness, disease, negative emotions, negative thoughts, feelings, actions, habits, addictions, all of that. Okay? So I hope that makes a little bit of sense. Let's look at our postulate this week. Um, uh, this is by Santo Casalino. Uh, Santo means saint. So Saint Casalino, who is a Fabulous, wonderful, young, believing man. Okay, but here it is. Two spiritual forces desire control of our hearts. About the only choice we have is whose plan we allow to take control of our lives. God's is the plan of truth and love. Satan's is the plan of seek pleasure, avoid pain, falsehood, and deception. Okay? Um, I don't know that I need to expand on that a lot. Um, the big thing here is, to me, is two spiritual forces want control of me. God and Satan. Um, which one will I choose? If I choose seek pleasure, avoid pain, I'm choosing Satan's plan. If I choose uh, something that is false, like my dad saying I'm never going to amount to anything, and, and owning that, like I did for 15 years, that's Satan's plan. And that's going to click fight or flight and the failure mechanism, etc. Choose God's way, truth and love, even if it's in the midst of pain, and it takes me to love, joy, peace, the best possible outcome, outcome guarantee even, always protected, and we'll look at some other things as we move along. All right, let's review last week real quick. Um, God's character, he's a personal spirit, all-powerful, present everywhere, knows everything, is sovereign, um, holy, absolute truth, righteous, just. He is love. 
merciful, faithful, and he never changes. Okay? So the character of God. And um, I see this as the perfect father on turbocharge or steroids. Okay? Um, how would it change? How would it cha have changed your life if you had the perfect father? Well, that's what this is describing. Now, any father on this earth you could ever have, he can't have a lot of this stuff. They're not uh, any. Uh, uh, I'm a father. I'm not all powerful. I, I'm not present everywhere. Boy, I don't know hardly anything. At least in my thinking, I'm not sovereign, not holy. Um, sometimes I recognize absolute truth. Sometimes I'm deceived by Satan. Um, I'm righteous, but only because God gives me that through the person of Jesus. I'm just, for the same reason, uh, I can live in love if I choose that, but God has to give me the choice or it eliminates love, which means I also can choose not to love, to seek pleasure, avoid pain, what's in it for me. Um, I'm merciful sometimes, sometimes not. Uh, I'm usually hardest on myself. I'm faithful sometimes, sometimes I'm not. Um, I change, absolutely. I've changed so much since I was 20, and I imagine if God lets me live another uh, couple of decades or so, I will be different then than I am now. I hope it's in a good way. I'm, I'm going to try to be working toward that, okay? But... Having the perfect father cannot be anyone we know that's flesh and blood because none of us have these things, all-powerful, everywhere, knowing everything, etc. And, and we are not a spirit. We have a spirit, but we also have a fleshly body. That's where a lot of our sin and problems come from. Okay, so God's characters, we covered that last time. The names of God, and this is really cool to me because a lot of the names of God, the meaning of them describes what God promises to do in your life and mine. Okay, Father, he doesn't want to be known as, oh, the great uh, Poobah of the universe who has, you know, I mean, what he says he wants as far as relationship with him, is not that, it's father. It could literally be daddy, okay? But, again, the perfect one. Um, the beginning and the end, the ancient of days, anointed one, the God who gave you birth, okay? You think that just happened? According to God, no, okay? Uh, and if he is all-powerful, he not only could intervene and cause your birth, okay, he can also intervene and, and keep you from being born because he's all-powerful, all right? So, the God who gave you birth, the God of knowledge, the God most high, everlasting, he sees everything. Scripture says he... He looks at the heart. He judges the heart. He examines the intention of the heart. He wants the heart, all right? Um, and says, if I get your heart, 
I'll get, I'll get all of you. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I won't have to worry about that. Okay? What he wants is the love. That's the, the causal part of that. All right? Uh, he's everlasting. He sees almighty uh, creator, the self-existent one. None of us are self-existent. Okay? Um, scripturally, I would think Jesus is self-existent, but I need to do some more study on that. I, I really hadn't thought about that much. But we are not, except that God is holding our strings, keeping us existent. But I could fall over in the next 30 seconds, and I'm dead. I can't control that in me. God can. He is self-existent. Uh, he is the creator. He provides banner, which means you're gonna, the battle is his, and he's going to win it. Um, healer, all right? God says, I'm where healing comes from. Not herbs and minerals and energy and stuff like that. Well, does that mean it's wrong to use herbs and minerals and vitamins? And No, that, it, he created it. Created everything good and for us to use for good. But healing comes from him even if it's through vitamin C or energy medicine. It only works because he made it so and maintains it so. So if the guy who discovers vitamin C is a Buddhist and believes that, you know, in reincarnation and all that sort of thing, and he says, okay, the only way vitamin C works right is if you declare allegiance to Buddha and are part of that worldview and... Etc. Whoa, wait a minute. Does that make that true? Just because he's the one that discovered vitamin C? No, it does not make it true. And scripture says, God made it, made it good, and if I use it, acknowledging God as the source, giving thanks, and using it for a good reason, it should work, and it's sanctified, clean. Now, I'm not going to give allegiance to Buddha, because God made that vitamin C, not you. You just discovered it. And I do not believe the Buddhist worldview is the correct one. Because the, the only one I found that had all the essential elements after I threw everything overboard, after Hope kicked me out of the house and my life was crashing... The only one I found that had all the essential elements based on how nature and we are made was this one. Grace that is real grace that's been paid for, justice that's been paid for, truth, love, the only one. Okay? All right. The Lord our shepherd, he leads us, guides us. Lord of hosts, Lord is... The Lord is peace. He not only is love, he is peace. We, we have peace sometimes and don't have it at other times, okay? But we are not peace ourselves. We, it's in us or not, have it, don't, are behaving like in a peaceful way, not behaving in a peaceful way. I mean, but God 
is peace. Lord is peace. He is there. Where? Everywhere. What if I'm in a situation that is really scary for me? Oh man, I wish the Lord was here. He is. And maybe the most important, He is our, our righteousness, which we have to have for the next life because there will be no sin there, all right? And I'm not good enough to earn it. So if he were not our righteousness or my righteousness, I believe if you want to say it this way, my goose would pretty much be cooked. But he is my righteousness. And then, maybe the most important one to us, who are we? All right, and that's that first step of the discovery. <laughs> Who am I? What's the meaning of life? What's the purpose of, of my specific life? What's the greatest truth, the greatest lie? How do you fix your biggest problem? That's what we need to find on this journey, that, this inward journey that we take, okay? Uh, so many people, you know, they see a beautiful sunset. Oh, that is so beautiful. And they see a gorgeous waterfall. Oh, that is so beautiful. And they go to the beach and the ocean. Oh, that is so beautiful. And, and all that is correct. And I love that. And I, I am so thrilled that God, the artist, made us this beautiful, interesting, adventurous place to live rather than something boring and dull and all of that, okay? Um, that's, but, 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 the best sunsets happen in here. The most great, the greatest adventure happens in here. The greatest discoveries to be made are in here. The best love, joy, peace in here. The greatest secrets to be discovered in here. The, the most wonderful, fabulous intimacy that we all crave so much happens in here. Now, there's another person out there, right? But the way we grade it, the way we judge it, what do I feel in here? Okay? Alright. So, I'm God's child. Not his robot, not his uh, table, not his... I'm, I'm his child. Okay? Uh, his friend, I've been justified... And, 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 and as we're thinking about this journey, who am I, what is my meaning, what is my purpose, what is the greatest truth? In a lot of ways, this answers all of that. Okay? Every one of those questions. To some degree. Now, we might need to find some other stuff for some of them, but I believe this speaks to every one of those things that we need to discover and come to an ownership place um, in truth and love, okay? Uh, I'm united with the Lord and am one spirit with the Lord. He and I are one, the mystery of the ages. I've been bought with a price. I belong to God. I'm, I'm a, a member of Christ's body. I'm a saint. 
a holy one. I've been adopted as God's child. I have direct access to God. I've been forgiven of all my sins. I'm complete in Christ. There's nothing missing. I'm free from condemnation. I'm assured that all things will work together for me. I'm free from from all. I'm free from all condemning charges against me. What does that mean? Well, it's turned upside down. There are no zero condemning charges against Alex Lloyd and you. Oh man, I've really done it right. No, I've done it terrible. He has paid for me to have that. And you. Where were we? Um, I cannot be separated from the love of God. I've been established, anointed, and sealed by God. It's done. I am confident that the good work God has begun in me will be perfected. I am a citizen of heaven right now. I've already got the golden ticket. I'm hidden with Christ in God, meaning um, Satan cannot get to me and his demons if God is protecting me, and he says he is, all right? Um, I've not been given a spirit of fear, but power, love, a sound mind, another version says, and self-control, okay? So if you've not been given a spirit of fear, but you are fearing that's not coming from your spirit, which is who you really are. That's the eternal part of yourself. Well, where's the fear coming from? Your flesh. Seek pleasure, avoid pain, your old man, etc. Okay? Um, I can find grace and mercy to help in time of need. I'm the salt of the earth, the light of the world. I'm a branch of the true vine, Jesus. I'm a part of... God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, I'm, I'm a part of that. I'm one branch in that wonderful, miraculous, supernatural, eternal tree. Wow. What, a, what an honor. I'm part of that. Okay? What if you were part of a Super Bowl winning football team? Man, you'd wear that ring around everywhere and show them, and I'm part of... God and the spiritual and the eternal love, etc. I've been, a, I've been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. I am a personal, spirit-empowered witness to Jesus. I, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm a minister of reconciliation for God. Are you? Are you a minister of reconciliation? Or are you a minister of destruction, or of tearing other people down, or of judging and gossiping, okay? I used to do all those things, still do it sometimes when I slip up, but um, I'm a minister of reconciliation. I'm a fellow worker with God. God and I are in this together, okay? What a great feeling that is. I'm seated with Christ in the heavenlies. I'm God's workmanship, created for good works. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I don't have to have an appointment. I don't have to have a go-between. I don't... The temple, uh, the, the curtain of the temple separating the Holy of Holies was torn in two. We now have direct access to God. 
Not through a preacher, not through a priest, not through a pope. Direct. Him and me. Okay? And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I would say all things that are the will of God for my life. Okay, now, we, we looked at all those last week. I want to sort of uh, use today as almost a little pause after we've been doing this for about three quarters of the year to sort of summarize a little bit, a little mini summary kind of, of maybe where we've gotten till now. Self-help versus God-empowered. I think that's what it comes down to, okay? Self-help is really being deceived into, into believing Satan's lies and acting on those rather than God's truth, meaning seek pleasure, avoid pain, what I want, when I want, business deal, love, what's in it for me, okay? That's self-help versus God empowered. Wait on the Lord, Isaiah. Wait on the Lord and exchange my strength for his, and I will run and not grow weary, walk and not faint, mount on wings of eagles. But it's his power doing it, not mine. But I have to be living over here to have that. Okay, self-help, blueprint for failure. Decide what you want, number one. Make a plan to get it, number two. And with your willpower, put the plan into action and never give up until you achieve it. This is the basic three-step blueprint for all of self-help, for a great deal of religion, for um, humanism, for atheism, for um, seek pleasure, avoid pain. This is the three-step blueprint. And, and insiders and the statistics on people who live by this three-step blueprint, and that's their, that's their paradigm for success. You know what the statistics and insiders say? 97% of the time it leads to failure. Well, imagine that, because it's not God's way. It's what Satan wants. So, 97% may be conservative, for living your life the way Satan wants. Failure. Alright, God-empowered, blueprint for success. Right with God, Lord, right with Jesus, love Jesus, Lord and Savior, committed to love, that's all in this first one. Committed to love, God is God, Jesus is Lord and Savior, Son of God. Uh, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, for the rest of my life, no matter what, I'll never do it right, but I will never change from that or go back. That's my intention for the rest of my life, period. Okay? Number two, in everything I do, all through the day, weeks, months, years, decades, I have a rule. In any and every situation, my intention will only be for good. So help me God, and led by the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, I've not come close to accomplishing that, but I'm getting better, all right? Number three, 
Do your absolute best at everything you do. Don't just turn in the job to your boss to click the box and not get fired. Man, do your absolute best so that the people that see that and are a part of it are like, Wow, Alex, man, you've done a a number of these in the past, but this one is just fabulous. Wow. And you know what? Most likely, I'm going to end up getting a raise. and So I get what I wanted in the flesh, maybe, which is a raise and more money and acknowledgement and maybe employee of the month or, or... whatever, as opposed to trying to accomplish that myself on my own and 97% chance I'm going to end up in failure. What's failure? Well, I don't get the end result I was going after, or I get the end result, but I'm miserable inside. Uh, Fear, anxiety, anger, low self-worth, all of that is if I go after it trying to do it myself. On the other hand, doing it God-empowered do my absolute best, and, I, and, and God empowering me to do that will be way better job than I could have done over here by myself. Okay? And then last one, my number one priority, the thing I value above all else every single day, and, and, and run everything through that filter of, okay, is this in harmony with relationships being my number one priority? Right with God? right with myself, right with other people, realizing that every issue, cancer, heart disease, depression, at its root is a relationship issue. Because everything is a love versus fear issue. Because that's the mechanism that either puts us in success or failure. All right, so self-help, versus God-empowered. And self-help is not just a self-help industry. That's anything that says, okay, you're going to do it by your effort, your willpower. Anything that that's what you're trying to do is over here. You don't have enough willpower to accomplish what you need to accomplish. Exchange your strength for God's. Now you can do it, and it might even seem easy. Unbelievable. Okay, life. We've, we've talked about life A versus life B and love A versus love B, all right? And every, every person anywhere on earth who's ever lived or ever will until God changes things has done either life A or life B and love A and love B. So which are you? Life A is law. And the components of that are doubt, control, impatience, falsehood, injustice, pain, and again, living by law. Life B, which is grace instead of law, belief, choice, believing the truth, choosing the truth, God, and love, rather than end results, seek pleasure, avoid pain. Time, time's required because belief and trust and faith require time. 
truth instead of falsehood and deception, justice, which is non-negotiable. You have to have justice. We are human beings of justice. God is a God of justice. The kingdom and, and uh, heaven integrated into that in a, in a way that you can't pull them apart is justice. Pain, God's number one tool to get us to the right path, keep us there, teach us the lessons we need to keep moving up higher, uh, leading and guiding us to make the right choices and decisions in particular situations. And last of all, and the um, cherry on top, big time, grace. Wow. Okay. But Satan has a counterfeit for each one of God's non-negotiable points. Okay? These are the components of love. These are the components of fear. And then, and then love A versus love B. Love A, which is what almost every client I've ever had was living when they came to me, I was living that the first several decades of my life. Hope was too. In fact, we're really supposed to live this way the first very few years of life. Four, five, six, seven. To learn to be in seek pleasure, avoid pain. To learn how to be safe in our circumstantial world and not get killed or die at 10 years old. Because I can't accomplish a whole lot for the kingdom if I'm dead at 10, unless that's what God wanted for some reason. So God, I believe most of the time, he says our, uh, our numbers should be around 120 years, all right? Um, but anyway, life A, life B, law versus grace, and love A, love A, do good, I get good, do bad, I get bad. It's the way everything in nature and the universe works. Stimulus response. Uh, you reap what you sow. Karma, action, reaction. Newton's three laws of motion. All of those are love A. Okay? Love B, I do good and get good. If I do bad, I still get good long term. I get good no matter what. Guaranteed. All things work for good to those who love the Lord. Okay? And then I shared with you, with both Hope and I, in 1986, on a minus 10 to plus 10 scale of negativity to positivity internally, which is what largely determines whether I'm in stress, positive emotions or negative, positive actions and behaviors are negative, being able to break habits versus not being able to break them. Most people can't. There's a 99% relapse rate with most things, okay? But in 1986, on that minus 10 to plus 10, I was a minus 6. Hope was a minus 8 and 3 quarters. Today, on that same minus 10 to plus 10, I'm a plus 7. Hope is a plus 6.5. So what's the difference in going from minus six to plus seven? I don't, I don't think you would recognize me if you looked at me in 1986. Now, you might recognize some of the physical features, but as far as what I think, feel, how I act toward you, others, all of that, I'm a completely different person. I look at that person in 1986 
and think, man, I can't imagine I used to be like that. What an idiot. And I mean, I'm still an idiot, but not as much of an idiot as I was then. Okay, and then hope from minus eight to plus six and a half. Same thing with her. I believe if you saw her back when she was depressed and stuff, you wouldn't even recognize her. In fact, in fact, um, our oldest son, Harry, said, oh, I guess it was about a year ago. He said, I tell my friends how mom used to be, and none of them will believe me. They think I'm lying. They say, she is the happiest, most kind, wonderful person I've ever met. That's what his friends say. Okay? Today. Today. About hope today. Well, Harry also remembers hope at minus eight. And at one point, he called me in Europe. Uh, I was there uh, lecturing. Asked me to come home immediately because he was scared of his mom. Now, he didn't, he didn't really need to be scared. She'd never hurt him. But she was depressed and had been upset and angry. And anyway, um, he was afraid of his mom. Today, even when he tells his friend the truth, they don't believe she was ever like that because she's so much different today. All right? And, and that's what we've been about helping people do for 21 years and... and would love to help you too. Okay, so are you living life A versus life B? Love A versus love B? Okay, um, the great majority of people I've worked with are living life A and love A, and a lot of them don't even know it. They think that's what's normal. They think that's the way you do it, okay? But I believe scripturally, it is a deception that for thousands of years now, we have been sheep following other sheep over the cliff. Okay? I believe it's time for us to shift over and live the life that God not only planned for us, but went through unspeakable pain and sacrifice to purchase for us. For one reason only, he loves us and wants to be in loving relationship with us forever, millions of years. Okay, this is the last point I think for today. The urgent versus the important. I've referenced this before. Stephen Covey um, wrote the number one business, number one selling business book of all time, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the main things he talked about was the urgent versus the important, and that most people live in the urgent and rarely go to and neglect the important. And if you do that, according to Covey, you will not have the life you want to have. You will not have the success you want to have. Our focus, 90 plus percent of the time, needs to be on the important. 
not the urgent. The urgent is like, um, we got a letter from the IRS today and they're going to audit us. So we're like, all day, we're like, oh no, what's going to happen? And are we going to go bankrupt? And oh gosh, I've never been through an audit. And what do I do? And we can't afford this. And I mean, you feel that, right? Or somebody's in a car wreck and we're, we're so upset, okay? That's urgent. That's the urgent. Important is love, joy, peace, relationships, um, doing my best at whatever I do, having an intention only for good, prioritizing relationships above everything else. And then, and then uh, Covey didn't talk about this, but I added number three, pain pleasure. And I believe this is the way it typically works. We want number three until number one happens, urgent. Then our goal is to fix number one as fast as we can in order to get back to number three. If a life crisis happens, like a death in the family or a cancer diagnosis or I don't know, something, okay? If a life crisis happens, it will often cause us to shift our focus here and we reaffirm what is most important. Oh man, yeah, I, I've just been sort of living my life on uh, automatic. And yeah, I've been prioritizing the urgent and seek pleasure and avoid pain. And yeah, I go to church or I pray sometimes or whatever, but if you really looked at what I'm focused on and how many hours a day I'm focused on it and compared those, I don't spend a lot of time there. Even if I, even if you ask me which of these is the most important to me, I'd probably say number two, my wife, um, living a life of love, joy, peace, honor, integrity, doing the best I can, intention for good, all of that. But where's my focus? That's how I'd answer the question maybe, but is that really what I'm doing practically moment in, moment out, day in, day out? For most people, the answer is no. It's these two. Okay, so the life crisis will cause us to shift our focus to number two, but after the crisis kind of dies down a little bit, typically we shift back to bouncing between one and three, one and three, one and three. The urgent is the micro, the little details of our life, like money and clothes and cars and vacations and how other people think about us and all of that. All the details to get what we want when we want it and to keep away what we don't want. Really to become independent. The important is the big picture. Is there a God? What is your meaning? What is your purpose? What's the biggest lie, the greatest truth? How do you fix your biggest problem God's way? I, I, I might call this emotional well-being God's way. Okay? 
So let's do the last one again. The urgent is the micro, the, all the little bitty details that we think, if I can just arrange the details right and control them, then I'll get the end result that I want. Um, the important is the big picture, and what we would probably answer is most important in life. Pain, pleasure is to escape from this world or, the, or, or something being boring, just like taking a pill. And all of us know about that. I mean, the opium crisis and uh, drug crisis, alcoholism, I mean, destructive habits, pornography, I mean, all of that. Okay, that's escape. Either to feel some pleasure because I'm bored or haven't felt it in a while, or to mask or reduce pain. You've heard of people who cut themselves. Um, one of the main reasons, teenagers predominantly, but it can be any age, cut themselves is because then they feel the pain of the cut and they quit feeling the internal heart pain of of living here. Okay? So, this is predominantly an escape, either for pleasure or to keep pain away. Or, or to shift from this horrible internal low self-worth rejection pain to just, you know, a physical pain, which doesn't have all the spiritual and emotional stuff with it distracts me from it. And endorphins and stuff are released when you cut yourself too that always decrease your pain. All right. So, where are you on that? Okay. Are you living here or are you living here and here? Stephen Covey, uh, 20 years later, said, people have been telling me for 20 years that the seven habits don't work, and I'm here to tell you they're right. I missed something. What I missed was the heart. Your heart has to be right, and whatever you're doing, you need to be doing from the heart, or the other seven don't work. You add the heart, being in the right place in your heart, and doing it from the heart, and now the seven habits do work. Well, what he's really saying to me is this. Okay? Um, we want number three until number one happens. Then our goal is to fix number three to get back as quick as we can to number one. But if a big, huge life thing happens, we'll tend to go to number two, but only for a while, most of us. Now, occasionally, a life event will happen and somebody's changed for the rest of their lives. We've talked about near-death experience, where, where that's pretty common. All right? Outside of near-death experiences, it's not very common. Then it's still the 97% failure rate or 3% chance that you'll live this way and have your best life or something close to it. Okay? So, typically, you only stay here from the major life event until that pain goes down enough. Then you go back to alternating between urgent pain pleasure, urgent pain pleasure. Okay? But the only way you will ever get to the life God wants for you and the life you want for yourself, I believe we all do, 
okay, is to live here. And yeah, every once in a while, go to the urgent to put out a fire, but then right back to important, okay? And not to evaluate things by pain pleasure, by, but by whether it is right, best, love-based, what is God's will, or not. Okay? Now, to live this way, very, very often as I've taught people these things over the years, they say, oh, okay, now that you've taught me this, I'll just go live it. Well, about 1 in 10 could actually do that. The other 9 out of 10 couldn't. So, if that's you, then either through prayer, God is going to touch you and heal that, and that's always my preferred way, and that's always what I do first. Don Finto, one of the most wonderful men I've known, a very famous uh, preacher, said, always give God a chance first for healing and things like that. Okay, um, but you want to live your life here, and that is the only place where you get your best life or close to it. So, um, where are you, and, and, and which are you living? You may have to clean up some junk. If God doesn't just touch you and heal it, then we can use some things that God has put into nature, kind of like the vitamin C thing that was discovered that is for us to use for good. Okay, we've discovered other tools that work because of the way God made them that you can do to literally pull the lies and deceptions and untruths out of memories so that they no longer resonate the fear signal and put you into stress. And when you heal enough of those, then you can start living here, where before you couldn't, okay? So I hope that makes sense. Um, let us know where you are, and uh, we would be delighted to take you by the hand, help you get from here or here or here and here to living here. And love be, life be, and your best possible life. You will never regret doing that, and it will change for the better everything that you touch. Your children, your spouse, your parents, your brothers and sisters, your work, your neighborhood. It'll change everything in your life, because that's what love does. Now, fear changes everything, too, but in the way you don't want. Okay, uh, let us know if you have questions, comments. Thank you so very much. Have a wonderful, blessed day. I love you, but way more importantly, God loves you and paid your price 100% so that you could live here and in life a Life be, love be, and your best life. Now, it's not going to be without pain. There's always pain. But you will know it, and it'll be pain with love, joy, and peace versus pain with anger, anxiety, fear, depression, etc. Thank you so much.